Hello and welcome to Women in Confidence with me, Vanessa Murphy, HR expert, confidence coach and now podcaster. This podcast discusses all things to do with confidence in life and in work. And this is a podcast for women who want to learn what confidence is, how to obtain it and how to maintain it and learn how confidence can help you grow and flourish. Every week, I introduce you to amazing women who have interesting stories to tell about confidence. Through their stories, insights, hints and tips, you realise that a lack of self-belief or low self-esteem is common and also very human. But by listening to them, you'll take away what they have done to show up confidently on the inside as well as on the outside. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Women in Confidence. So picture this. You love your life with your spouse or your partner. You celebrate the small and the large moments. You're creative in your relationship and you are able to envision your future with ease and excitement. You want to love your life with your partner. You're not just two people who decided to go through life together. You're two people who wanted an amazing life together. So if your marriage is not great right now, then my guest this week will help you bring that amazing part back into focus. And I'm joined by Ryan Klutz, and she is a women's marriage coach. And she's been married to her husband for almost 15 years and has tons of knowledge that comes in the best way, and that's through experience. She's learned the hard way and how to grow together and to treat each other. And she says in her own words, it was not easy. But with some focus, you can come out on the other side even stronger and closer. Ryan, hello, and welcome to Women in Confidence. And thanks very much for being here. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're very welcome and I'm absolutely delighted to have you on. Can you tell everybody who's listening where you are in the world right now, please? Great. I am in uh, Southern California and um, it's it's just wonderful here. A little chillier than normal today, but <laughs> still, still sunny. Excellent. So you're one of my guests who is literally on the other side of the world to me. I think we are probably about 18 hours different. So I'm mm-hmm. already into Thursday and at some point you must be in some afternoon and Wednesday or something. So yeah. welcome anyway. I'm going to ask my first question. And I ask this of everybody who comes on the show. What does having confidence mean to you? I think having confidence means to me that I know who I am in any situation that I find myself in and that I stay that person in those situations. And I can tell if I have lost a little bit of confidence in a given situation because I start to feel like I have to sort of make myself behave more like the people that are around me to to fit in. Whereas if I am feeling fully confident, then I feel great about what I'm wearing. I feel great about what I might have to add to a conversation in any given situation. I just get to be myself without worrying about what anyone else around me is thinking about that. And have you always felt that way? Oh, God, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. No, I struggled with that for most of my life, actually. Yeah, I just, I had very low confidence as a teenager, especially, you know, I'm, I'm tall, I'm almost six feet tall. I just have a lot of things that make me different. And also in when you're in high school, those things make you stand out and not a great way. So I got teased and I didn't, you know, have a boyfriend until I was 17 years old and felt, I felt like I was always behind in that way. And I always, I always wanted to be or hat and have things that the the other girls that were my age had always felt like I was 
missing something, which translates into a lack of confidence because I just didn't feel like me just being myself was good enough. And just going back to being tall, because I have a very tall family. I'm a little shorty, but I have um, like really tall kids. My husband's six four. Do you celebrate your tallness now? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, actually one of my favorite things to do is help people who are not tall get things off of shelves at grocery stores. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. I totally love it now. And I, I actually did enjoy it back then. But because I got teased, it made me think that there was something wrong with that. So it was sort of like this complex I had about, well, I think it's cool to be tall, but no one else seems to think that. So what am I, what am I missing? That's kind of, that's kind of how I felt about it. And you talked about fitting in and that particularly in high school is at a a moment in life where you're going through so much anyway, does fitting in still affect you now? No. Um, I definitely, you know, I don't want to go in a room and, and just start being confrontational or making people angry. I, I like to get along with people and I like to connect with people, but I don't feel the need to conform or change myself to fit the situation like I used to. I feel like I can just be myself and they can take it or leave it. Mm. And what changed that? So go, growing up, what changed so that you don't feel the need now to fit in? Actually, it wasn't until I discovered personal development years into my marriage where I started to realize that I could be more confident and that I didn't have to be a people pleaser. I didn't have to be a perfectionist. And as I started to discover that, it also, it really helped shift my marriage and then made me want to help other people do the same thing because it just made such a huge difference in my life. I was constantly stressed out over, you know, so-and-so asked me to do this and I said, yes, but I don't want to, or I feel uncomfortable in this social setting because it's awkward or I'm awkward, you know, that kind of thing. But as I got, as I started diving deeper into this work and learning how to really take care of myself, I just sort of shifted out of that and started to set boundaries and realize that my desires are valid just like everyone else's. And I'm just as worthy as anyone else of getting the things that I want, enjoying myself in the process. You raised marriage and I know that you are a marriage coach and are you specifically a women's marriage coach? Yeah, I feel very connected to helping women because the work that I did on myself really applies to women. And it's not to say that a man couldn't use the same tactics, but I just feel like the stuff that I did would resonate a lot more with women. And I also feel like we do have this special sort of power in our marriage that we don't use it fully. We use it to be able to get everything done that needs to be done. But we could be using it in a different way where we also get what we want too and we don't feel burnt out by all of the tasks that need to be done. So as a marriage coach, how do you help your clients? Actually, I help them a lot with confidence uh, in themselves so that they can show up as who they really are in their marriage and get more of what they want in their marriage. You know, we talk about things like communication and we talk about forgiveness and trust and self-care 
And all of these things sort of combine to be able to help them show up as who they always thought they would be in their marriage rather than someone who nags or feels resentful or isn't ever getting what they want. Um, there's all, you know, we could make a really long list of all the things that we don't want. So it, it all of that helps them to focus on what they want so that they can actually have it. So imagine, and, and I'm speaking a little bit for myself here because I'm married. So imagine many people go into a marriage knowing what they want. What happens so that they end up in a situation where that, that changes and then they're like, well, I don't really know what I want and I can't ask for what I want. I think it's just all these little cracks that form, you know, um, a little snarky remark here or a misunderstanding there that we allow those things to compile without realizing that's what's happening. But at the same time, we're somehow always brushing it off like, oh, that one thing didn't matter. But when you add it all up, it sort of creates a chasm, really. It goes from a crack to this giant hole because we've not been addressing things all along. And so what we look at as all of these little things turn into a really big thing if we don't address it. But when it first starts happening, it just doesn't seem big enough to address. And that's what happened to us, too. We, you know, we were madly in love when we got married and everything seemed like it was just going to be a fairy tale. And even though we read a book that said, it's not going to be a fairy tale, I didn't believe it. I just thought there's no way that we won't just be blissful for the rest of our lives. And then reality sets in and you get used to the other person in a way that you weren't used to them before. And you allow yourself to one, let your guard down a little bit, but also you kind of put one up because you feel like, well, they were mean to me the other day and that hurt my feelings. So I'm never going to bring up that thing again. But you also become more, you know, it, it's not just this, but it's that kind of thing where we don't really date each other anymore when we get married sometimes, or you're perfectly fine to like walk around in sweatpants all day when before you might have, you know, tried to look nice. And it's not that you have to try to look nice, but it's that sort of thing of like, you get so comfortable that you aren't always thinking about how you're showing up. And where do you start with your clients? What's the first step and how you coach them? Actually, I tailor my packages to what they need, but a lot of them need to start with self-care because um, I actually did a live about this in my group last night that self-care is more than pedicures and manicures, which is so funny because I got a pedicure and a manicure yesterday before I went live about that. And it was already... I had already planned to talk about that and it was a complete coincidence. I just happened to have time to go do it. It's it's about how we're feeling on the inside. You know, if you have these habitual thoughts of what you don't like and what you're not getting, the self-care that I teach about is what's going to help you remove those things or shift them so that your perspective changes and that your expectations change. That's a really big thing that I see a lot of women have where they'll tell me, I've asked him to, to do X, Y, Z, and he says that he will, and then he doesn't. And it's infuriating because we go through this cycle over and over. And I can always see that their expectations are, well, he's just, he's not going to do it. And, and then I'm going to get mad. And then we're going to go through this again. Like that's, they, that's what they're thinking inside their head without realizing it. So we work on pinpointing those 
expectations and shifting them so that they can feel trusting and that if I ask him to do something, he's going to do it instead of feeling like, how long is it going to be before I get mad enough to just do it myself? And self-care. Well, I want to just go back to you, actually. And when you were having perhaps some challenges in your marriage and you went into yourself, what did, did you apply to yourself and how did you care for yourself? I started with meditation, but it it's gotten broader and broader and it shifts over the years as we go through different seasons. Um, so I did start with meditation and that's something that I still do. But then I learned that it's okay for me to go out and do something by myself if I want to, or go out and do something with a friend if I want to, which in our case was something that my husband always encouraged me to do. And I just felt like I couldn't do it. I would feel guilty when I left or I would always feel like, well, there's not time because this one needs this thing and this one needs that thing, which was also kind of came back to me not trusting him to be able to take care of it. And, or, you know, feeling like, well, if I leave, then I'm going to come back to a disaster and I don't want that, which was not necessarily true, but it's just what was going on in my, my head. And so that's kind of everything kind of piggybacked on itself. So, you know, I was just meditating, I was letting myself go and do things that I thought were fun. I, uh, now I, um, you know, I get, I do get pedicures and, and manicures without feeling guilty. Cause I think you can do those surface level things, but then you feel like, Oh, and I didn't get this done because I did that. And I should have been doing this, but I, you know, I was out wasting time. That kind of, that's what was going on in my head at first. And, and then just being able to tell my kids that, um, I'm not available at certain times. You know, and I'll, I'll give them a heads up, but I, I have been able to be okay with not just being available at all times for requests because I tell my, I tell my girls, I'm a human too, and I have needs. And for me to be able to fulfill your needs, I have to fulfill mine. And so it just, you know, in this season right now, meditation is really important for me. I spend a good about a, a good amount of time in the morning doing some mindset work after they go to school. <laughs> and things definitely shift and change, but that's that's where I am right now is that I, I have some very simple things, but I do them daily because I know the impact that it has on me and my family. You said something I just want to go back to, and it's around stories and telling yourself things that are not true or not necessarily true or true once, but we sort of catastrophize them and like it's true all the time. Um, Why do you think that is? What's going on there with the human brain, I suppose, that says, I'm going to tell a story, even if it's not true? (laughs) I think that's a funny way of putting it. I'm going to tell a story, even if it's not true, because we definitely don't think of it like that, but that's exactly what we're doing. I think that a lot of times it's perpetuated by the things we see on TV or in movies or, you know, in ads. Um, There was an ad that I saw a few months ago where it was like a, a public service announcement for parents to remember not to leave your kids in the car by accident by themselves. And what it showed was a dad frantically running to the car and frantically getting his daughter out of her car seat after having forgotten that she was in there. And what he said was, oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Mommy's usually the one that takes you to daycare. And I was just, it makes me so angry because it's telling you, okay, dads are dumb and they're irresponsible and they don't know how to take care of the children but moms do. And that's really mom's job anyway. I I really get kind of worked up about those commercials or like the ones where, you know, a woman should be 
in a state of total bliss because her laundry smells good. I just think that those kinds of messages and images are given to us so that when we don't, we either feel like, oh yeah, of course he's going to leave the place a mess because I've seen a million movies where that's what the dad does when the mom tries to have some time to herself. Or of course he's not going to pick up what I asked him to pick up because he's an idiot. And that's what I've seen my whole life is a dad is the dummy who doesn't know how to do anything. So we don't even realize that we've picked up all this stuff along the way. And then we bring it to our marriage and we don't think about it when we get married because that's when we're still so excited. But then we settle into those societal norms that we've been shown, or it could even come from your own parents too. And their ideas come from, you know, who knows where. So it's all this stuff that gets thrown at us that we take in that we don't even realize that we're taking in. I think that's where most of it comes from. Just talking about movies, because you're so right. There are so many images, particularly about relationships and marriage, that it's all just bliss. You know, isn't life lovely? We're all beautiful people and our marriage is just amazing. But there seems to be a real shift in that recently. Like there's the marriage story, which is you know a horrible mm. divorce. But there's also, there's lots of films I can think of, but I probably can't rename. Do you think that's, is that a shift? Is that going to help women to realise that marriage and relationships, they're flipping hard work? I think that it could help if more of that is portrayed, especially if it's portrayed of in a you know a really real sense where we were really happy at first and then we went through some challenges and then we overcame those challenges and now we know how to move through life together as partners better than we ever have before. But I think, you know, there's a movie, I think it's called Blue Valentine. And I haven't actually seen it, but my husband was watching it. And he told me a little bit about it, where it's a story that jumps back and forth between their really happy past and their just absolute awful present. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to watch that. I don't, because I don't want to, I'm an empath. And so I take in things like in a really strong way and if I watch a movie too late at night all of my dreams will be about that movie um, and that sort of thing so I can see where we might not want to look at it because it's not fun to look at <laughs> I think though the more stuff is portrayed in a, in a realistic way the easier it will be to look at but I think right now because we're kind of at the beginning stages of it it's almost like triggering to be shown, we know what it's actually like, and we're going to show that to you. And now you it's in your face and you have to deal with it. Whereas before, I think those kind of movies were about couples and the perfect relationship and a perfect life were sort of an escape from our mm. non-perfect lives. And um, we just didn't realize that while we were watching these perfect people on TV, that we were having these ideas in our head about what we should be having or what are, and, and we have a tendency to always blame our spouse. So you know, you, you see a happy couple on TV and you think, why can't my husband act like that? Why can't he do this for me? Why, why doesn't he do what that guy does, you know? And, and it makes us not pay any attention at all to the things that they do do that are great. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's, is moving in that direction. I just don't think we're fully there yet where we're ready to see the that much realness. And so with women who are coming to you and have some relationship challenges, because I assume that not all are married, but in maybe long-term relationships or some other arrangements, 
how can you guide them to have more confidence to change things? I mean, not just about their self-care, but about how do they then take what they've learned to their partner? Actually, I'm a big believer in communicating with yourself first. So recognizing those habitual thoughts, being more aware of what you're thinking on a day-to-day basis of, you know, if they do something and then your automatic thought is, I knew he was going to do that. That's the most annoying thing or whatever it is. When we start to catch ourselves and we think, oh, actually don't want to be thinking that thought. And there's even this, this also the societal norm about we are at war with each other and we're, we're on the same team. So if you're really aware of the fact that you're on the same team, would you be thinking those thoughts about someone, you know, thinking how annoying he is or how he never does this or how he always does that? You probably would be able to come from a, a more compassionate place if you were thinking in terms of coming from the sa- or being on the same team and realizing that you can, we're allowed to have our own thoughts. We don't have to, to pick up the thoughts from those TV shows and those movies and we don't have to compare ourselves to the characters that we see either. So it's really just about shifting how we look at things and being aware of what we're thinking and not necessarily at every single moment, because I don't think that's possible, but just becoming more aware more often is really important. So once your clients have worked with you, I imagine there's going to be a shift and the person is not going to be the same, you know, the physically there might be, but how does that shift go back to the relationship? Because I imagine, you know, this, you've got into patterns and, you know, partner A and partner B, they've, they've just got used to each other, but that shift might almost cause further problems. Yeah. So what I, what, what I do to help is that I warn them of what I call the upheaval because you're, you're absolutely right. We get into these patterns and we, they, we don't like the patterns, but it's something that we find comfortable. And so when we start to break out of the pattern, it's not only uncomfortable for us, but it's uncomfortable for them as well. And there could be a multitude of reasons. They might feel triggered in some way. They might feel like they're going to get left behind. Uh, we might feel fearful of too much change too fast. And so what I tell people is to just be really gentle with yourself and your spouse as you go through that part. And it's sort of like uh, there's a, um, I don't know if it's a quote from something else, but it's in the movie Batman, or <laughs> he says the, the night is darkest before the dawn. And so what ends up happening is when you try to do this work on your own and you're determined to make these shifts and you want to show up better, then you start to do the work and then you get some pushback from your spouse and your subconscious goes, well, we don't want any more of that. So let's go back to what we were doing, even though we hated that. All you have to do is have someone to kind of walk you through that hard part so that you can get to the other side. And there could be many upheavals after that, but usually it's the first couple of weeks where something bigger happens and all you have to do is kind of ride it out and don't make any, you know, big decisions during that time. And then you'll get over it and it'll, it'll be much easier after that. But when we try to do it by ourselves, we don't realize that that's what's happening. And so we, we go back to how we were because that felt less painful. And I want to just talk about something you mentioned right at the beginning of our conversation, and it was the word boundaries. 
So setting boundaries, and you said that actually they were important to you. My first question is, why are they important to you? And then we'll come on to my second question. Okay, I used to be a people pleaser. And so whenever, let's say my husband and I didn't agree on something, I would just give in and just kind of let let go of it because I just didn't want the argument to go any further, which left me feeling unheard. But I thought, well, at least I've diffused the situation and we're not we're not arguing. We don't really we've never really been the type of couple that fights or yells, but even just simple arguments used to be extremely uncomfortable for me. Or, you know, I mentioned before someone would ask me to do something and I would say yes resentfully because I felt like I couldn't say no. So it was me setting boundaries around my own behavior, really. Um, because I'm the only one that I can control. I mean, you do have certain situations where you can let the other person know, I'm not going to accept you talking to me that way. Or, you know, if you do this, then I'm going to have to do this kind of thing. But my boundaries are mostly just me deciding I don't do this anymore. I allow myself to have this um, and, and that sort of thing. So they were really mostly internal boundaries that I didn't really have to discuss with anyone. It's just something that I had to shift within me. So my, going on to my second question around boundaries is for people are listening, how can you help or advise them to set boundaries in their own relationships where perhaps they haven't existed before? Yeah, I think wherever you're feeling like there's an issue, um, boundaries is a good thing to look at. That might not always be the thing, but it's definitely something to take a look at, especially if you don't have any. If you are a very passive person a people pleaser type, a perfectionist type, you probably need boundaries. And I actually have a free boundaries worksheet on my website and I can I can share the link with you on that. But it just kind of walks you through just really simple steps on how to set, how to figure out what the boundary is and who to set it with. Because sometimes it's not our spouse. Sometimes it's our in-laws. Sometimes it's our kids. I feel like at this point, most of my boundaries have to be set with my with my girls. It's just one of those things where when there's anything that's sort of a sticking point for you, I think boundaries is a good thing to look at. You mentioned two things. Well, children, for one thing, and in-laws. But I'm just talking about children because that is an upheaval in any relationship. You know, it could be a pleasant upheaval. It doesn't have to be negative, but it's a flip, it's a big upheaval. And I've got mm-hmm. two, so I, I know what it's like. How can sort of couples prepare for that i know you can't prepare always for having a baby because it's like so it's crazy time but it, as a relationship there must be an ability to prepare for what you know is going to change your life i well this is from my own personal experience but i have sort of like a few things that i wish that someone would have told me and not just that someone would have told me but that i would have listened because i there that's two different things you know because sometimes somebody did tell you and you didn't listen. <laughs> um, but I, I wish that someone would have told me how important it is to maintain something like date nights or regular connection, regular time for connection without the baby or the kids. That is so, so important. And we went without that for such a long time, not realizing that it was important. And also when our first daughter was born, I, you know, I was home on maternity leave and my husband was still working. You know, he got to have off the, the couple of days that I was in the hospital and then that was really it. So I'm a big fan of paternity leave because 
I felt like I couldn't ask him for help in the middle of the night if he had to go to work the next day and I didn't. And he never made me feel that way. It was a decision that I made without ever even talking to him about it. I can't ask for help because he has to work and I don't. I did all of the diaper changing in the middle of the night and stuff like that because I just felt like I had to. And I think that's one of those things that we as moms get get really angry and resentful over. But yet at the same time, we're perpetuating it too. We're, we're playing into that role of the person who does all of that work without kindly asking for what we need. And I didn't even know at the time that I could ask for what I needed. So I think that's another thing too, is if someone had told me it's okay to ask for help, um, that was something that I also really had a hard time with in those early years was asking for help. I was really good at getting resentful, but I was really bad at asking for what I actually needed. Are you a perfectionist? I'm a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And how's your recovery going? Oh, it's great. It really is. I mean, I, I definitely catch myself. I actually allow myself to be a perfectionist in really small insignificant ways so that it doesn't show up anymore in the the bigger ways, you know, I'm much better at not telling my husband how he needs to do something. But we have, I reorganized our kitchen recently. And I found these, um, they're, I guess they're called lazy Susans over here. I don't know what you, they're just, they, it's a little spinny round thing. thing that spins. Yeah. And I found these things at the store and I just happened to be able to fit three on one shelf perfectly. That if any, if they were any bigger or any smaller, it wouldn't have worked. And so that's where I can allow my perfection to kind of shine. Cause I was like, I didn't even measure. I just eyeballed it and I got it right on the nose that these were the exact fit and everything fits exactly how it should. And I have another one for our spices and they're all in alphabetical order, you know, like, so that's where I can kind of allow my perfectionist to remain but then when it comes to things like how he drives or because the perfectionist tendencies I feel like in marriage always were me feeling like he wasn't doing something right I wasn't really looking at myself in those times so it's allowed me to release those things and I'm very aware of if I might not agree with something that he's saying or doing but that doesn't mean that I have to correct him because neither one of us is right or wrong. It's just a difference of opinion. It took me a really long time to fully grasp that. I'm not the one who's always right, which by default makes him wrong. It's just that we both have ways of thinking and feeling about things. And how do you bring together that difference then so that you're not right, he's not right, but you're both disagreeing? So how we just let each other be? I mean, sometimes we really do come to the end of a conversation saying we'll have to agree to disagree on this and that's okay because none of, it's never a life and death situation and i have really come to embrace the differences between me as a mother and him as a father to where i used to think that certain things that he would tell them or ways that he disciplined that hit them i would just view as wrong because that's not what i would have done But now I see it more as we balance each other out because sometimes I can be too hard on the kids and then he becomes a soft one that they can land on. And then also sometimes we switch. But when one of us is making the other one wrong, 
it creates resentment and defensiveness. Whereas now we just let each other be, it actually creates more connection because there was a time where he might've said something to our girls, but then on the inside, he's tensed up waiting for me to say, Oh, you shouldn't say that to them. Or, you know, and I mean, once in a while we, we make jokes and things and I'm like, okay, that's maybe too much for their little ears to hear or something like that. But most of the time it's done more of in a playful way than me being, you know, trying to be his mother, really. And what's your one piece of advice to people who are listening who perhaps don't feel confident in their relationships? What would you advise them to do first? I would tell them to find something that you really enjoy doing, even if it's by yourself, and just start to be open to the idea of letting yourself be happy. When we last spoke, which was we realized is in January, you said to me, it's not selfish to be alone. I don't know whether you remember saying that. And actually, by being selfish in a way, let's call it that, actually that has helped or can help relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's almost like two kinds of selfishness now. I think, you know, when you're selfish in a way that you're just saying, I need some time for me, then I think that's that's great. And I think it's very needed, especially if you're an introvert. My husband and I are both introverts. And so there will be some evenings where we don't have a conversation. We are just kind of doing our own thing in separate spaces, but it's not awkward. It's just that that's our wind down time. And, you know, we will have just gotten the girls to bed. And then other nights we're watching a movie together. So, or, or talking. And there was a time where I felt like if we weren't doing something together, if we were in, if we were at home together, but not talking to each other and each doing our own thing, I thought that there was something wrong with that. I thought we should always be talking and we should always be doing something together. And if we're not, there's a problem. But I I didn't realize that that's something that I actually needed was the space to just be sometimes. And then I think the other side of selfishness, which is what people really associate that word with, is just, I'm all about me, no matter how it affects you. And I think wanting your own alone time is totally different. Or, you know, wanting to take care of yourself. This is part of the upheaval, actually. It can seem selfish to your spouse or partner at first when you start to take care of yourself if, if you never have, but they will learn over time that it's not the selfishness that we kind of associate with. It's just learning that I don't have to give all of myself to everyone else because then I've, I'm pouring from an empty cup. Whereas, you know, if I'm selfish enough to take care of me first, I have lots left over to give. How can people find you, Ryan? They've been listening and think, yeah, she's she's the person I need to speak to how can they find you um yeah well I am on Instagram at married and manifesting I have a group on Facebook that I absolutely adore it's all wives um all of us are in there to work towards having an amazing marriage and I also do lots of free coaching in there I go live every week to support my women in there um and that is married and manifesting dot group and my website is marriedandmanifesting.com. Excellent. I'm going to put all those details in the notes to this episode so people can just go and click on those links and they'll get hold of you. So, Ryan, thank you very much for being on Women in Confidence. Um, it's just been amazing and you've shared lots and lots. And particularly what I've taken away from it is that in any relationship, self-care and loving yourself and really knowing yourself is probably the, the foundation for a good relationship. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was so fun.
Thank you so much for listening to Women in Confidence and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please like it, share it, comment on it, and if you want to, sponsor it. If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time. Bye.